everyone! This is Deb from Dying to be Found. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that episodes contain disturbing discussions on harmful acts and crimes against animals and or humankind. Recordings are not intended for young or sensitive audiences due to the content nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Well, hello everyone. This is Deb. And this is Beth. And we want to welcome you to episode number 33 of Dying to be Found. As always, we appreciate you joining us today, so thanks so much for being here. If you have a storyline you would like to hear, just shoot us an email, or you can now go to the Linktree account in our show notes, and there is a four or five question Google form that you can fill out asking for storyline requests. You can also visit our website at dyingtobefound.com, spelled just like you see it on our logo. And before we get started, checking in with Beth, I... Don't think I shared this with you yet, Beth, but we've got stickers. Stickers? What's that all about? Look at our logo. Yes. Yeah, so I ordered some stickers. Get out of here. (laughs) I have some white ones and I have some black ones because I wanted to up the ante a little bit on some promotional items. To our listeners, if you're interested in getting a sticker, shoot us your address on Instagram and we'll be sure to mail you one or two. You might even get a handwritten thank you note for being loyal listeners. And Beth, I'm not going to leave you out. I'll send you some too. Good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking if you want a sticker, I would say the first 25 people that want to send us a shout out, then by all means, send us your address. We'll send you some stickers out there. That way, Beth, too, you'll also have some giveaways for your friends. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, anything (laughs) new with you before we get started? Yeah, I'm heading out tomorrow afternoon. During the day, it's going to be really nice and we're going to hike some trails. And So you're going to go hiking? Yeah, we're going to go hiking. All right, we're going to get going because I know you have a busy schedule. On to our own podcast. Beth, I've been looking at our map of listeners and I wanted to branch out just a bit because we have a ton of listeners in North America and Europe, but today we're going to travel south of the border into Mexico. Cool. Who are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about Juana Barraza who is a known serial killer who went on a killing spree in Mexico City. I'm going to give you a little bit of history on the killer back in 2005. This is a time period when Mexican authorities didn't really know who they had on their hands. They labeled whoever was going around killing older women. Let me see if I can get this right because I'm not really good at Spanish, but I'm going to do my best. It was a serial killer known as El Maravijita or Old Lady Killer. They thought that this person was a man because in 2005, Beth, it was very uncommon for a woman to take over this title of a serial killer. You know, there's not a ton of women serial killers out there. It's more white males. Exactly. Well, throughout Mexico City, Older women were being strangled with women's tights, phone cables, scarves, bare hands, and even a stethoscope. What do you think of that? Well, I think that's really strange, the stethoscope, but it was probably a doctor or a nurse. 
Okay, well, you'll find out soon. It turned out that the killer was Juana Barraza. So I'm going to actually talk about her childhood for just a moment, give you a little bit of a background on her upbringing. Juana Dayanara Barraza was born into poverty in 1958 in Hildago, Mexico, just north of Mexico City. She grew up illiterate and never really got past being able to spell her own name, Beth. I don't understand how kids can go through a school system and never learn more than how to spell their name. I don't understand it neither. She obviously didn't get help at home, but you think the teacher would help her along. You would think. But then also, Beth, thinking about back in 1958, just from what I know from the Mexican culture, a lot of the times the boys tend to drop out of school somewhere around third or fourth grade. And sometimes girls do too, because they always have to help around the house. Wow. Yep. They just get a third or fourth grade education and end up moving on. So I'm not really sure how much spelling she would have gotten at that age. But I will move on to say that her father was Trinidad Barraza, whom she never knew because her mother left him when Juana was only three months old. And get this, Beth. She had left Juana's father for a married man who happened to be Juana's stepfather. That's sad. Yeah. All right. So Juana's mother was Justa Semperio. So think about that for a moment. Juana's mother left her father to be with her own stepfather. That's just gross. It is. Well, it turns out that Juana's mother, whose name is Justa Semperio, she was an alcoholic and a prostitute. During her upbringing, Justa barely even interacted with Juana whatsoever other than to beat her every day. Poor thing. Yeah, so she does not have that bond for sure. Her mother's living in her own head. Right. Juana continued to get beaten every day until she was around the age of 13, Beth, when Justa sold Juana to an older man named Jose Luga. And get this for three beers. That's crazy. Could you imagine a parent selling off a child for three beers? No, that poor little girl. She didn't have a head start in life, did she? No, not at all. And it wasn't her own doing. Over the next five years, Juana was held captive by Lugo, who tied her to his bed and repeatedly raped her every day. That's sicko. It is. And the sad part, Beth, is that no one ever came looking for her. Because like I said, her mother was an alcoholic and she told everyone that Juana had left on her own free will to be with Jose. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, during this time span, Juana ended up becoming pregnant twice, once at the age of 13 and again at 16. She eventually gave birth to one son during her capture, and she had miscarried that first time round. Juana's uncle finally came to her rescue. He was able to track her down. He brought Juana back home again where she belonged. However, you can obviously say that the damage was already done. And at this point in her life, Beth, Juana had a new hatred for older women. 
Oh, I can see that. She had nobody to look up to and and no role models. Yeah, no mother figure. Not a good one anyway. Well, in her early life, Juana married multiple times and had a total of four children by three different fathers. Her oldest boy, the one that I had mentioned that she had while she was living in captivity. Oh, Beth, this is so sad. He died at the age of 24 during a mugging where he was beaten to death with a baseball bat. Oh, that is brutal. I know. So she's just going through traumatic experiences one after another. For sure. Now, Juana's oldest daughter lived pretty close by. So she did have at least one of her older children living within her vicinity. And the two younger children, a 13-year-old boy and one 11-year-old girl, they lived at home when Juana was eventually arrested. Those poor kids. They're going to follow in their mom's foot steps. Oh gosh, I hope not. Poor things, but you're right. Interestingly enough, Beth, I'm going to once again kind of sidetrack just a little bit because this is kind of random. Juana was a well-known female wrestler who engaged in Titanic wrestling known as Lucha Libra or Mexican masked wrestling. What? Yeah, she had gotten into the wrestling arena. I had to go to see what Titanic wrestling was all about. It's a type of wrestling that consists of battles that take place between a taquino, or in English terms, a good guy who fights by the rules, or a rudos also known as a villain. Interesting. Yeah. So one wrestler is the good guy. One wrestler is the bad guy. Take a guess on which one Juana partook in. She probably was the villain. Mm-hmm. She admitted that she was Rudos to the core. Wow. To me, that's a really good way to get your frustrations out. But yeah, get your aggressions out legally and competitively. Exactly. I agree because people do need to take out their frustrations, anxiety, just day-to-day stress. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing for that? What am I doing for my stress levels? I don't really know. I think I'm podcasting. I think I'm looking up these bad cases. (laughs) So when Juana was not wrestling, she actually went to quite a bit of wrestling matches. I wanted to mention that she went by the stage name of La Dama del Silencio, also known as the Silent Lady. Later, she told police that she went by this name because she considered herself to be quiet and often kept to herself. I mean, of course, unless she's out killing people, Beth. Yeah. She earned about 500 pesos, which I had to go look that conversion up. It's 25 US dollars or 33 Canadian dollars. She earned 500 pesos per night in her wrestling matches, but her wrestling career did end after she experienced a back injury. Could you imagine that type of entertainment? I'm going to call it an entertainment industry. She was only making $25 a night. That's crazy. You know she's living in poverty. Yes. But she's used to it, so she probably was just thankful for what she was getting. Yeah, you're probably right. It at least got some groceries for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And she went on to work odd jobs like street vending, gelatin, and socks. I thought that was interesting. I love socks, man. She also did domestic work. And then, get this, she went on to shoplifting, petty theft, and of course, killing people, Beth, to support her family. The four kids that she had, that was her livelihood is basically she 
transgressed from domestic work into shoplifting, petty theft, and killing people to justify bringing money home to the children. I'm interested in hearing more about uh, the shoplifting, petty theft, and killing people and how she made money out of that. Let me start with this. By 1996, I'm glad you asked, she hatched a plan with one of her friends. Her friend's name was Araceli Tapia Martinez, and they both began just basically stealing from the elderly. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned it was interesting about stethoscopes earlier, right? Yes. Well, Juana and her friend Araceli would dress up as nurses in order to gain entry into elderly women's homes. And then that's when they would rob them. Okay. Araceli and her boyfriend, however, turned on Juana eventually. After Juana committed one burglary on her own without Araceli, I think that Araceli may have gotten ticked off. Araceli and her boyfriend came to Juana and demanded 12,000 pesos. That's 604 US dollars or 786 Canadian dollars. They demanded 12,000 pesos from Juana or else she would get arrested. And do you know why she would get arrested? No. Did I mention Araceli's boyfriend was a corrupt police officer? No. Yep. So it sounds to me like they were hatching their own plan to set Juana up. For goodness sakes. Yeah. So poor Juana. She's just not beating the odds here. And now she's got to come up with 12,000 pesos. And she's only making 25 per night. But of course, now she's got this back injury. So she can't even do that. Now, her killing spree did really start building up in 1998. Because Juana's childhood trauma was beginning to catch up with her and she was ready for revenge. Remember, she had a tumultuous relationship with her mother. But in 1998, her mother had already passed away from cirrhosis of the liver. So she took a surrogate approach and began taking her anger out on other elderly women. That's so wrong. That's really hurtful. Yeah. Well, Juana dressed up very conservatively in professional looking outfits because she posed as a government worker, but eventually ended up killing a total of 11 elderly women in their homes, although she suspected of killing upwards of 40 my goodness even 11 is a lot one's too many beth yes well juana's reign of terror escalated between 2002 and 2006 but around 2003 is when the mexican government really started paying attention to these murders and they set up a task force to catch the killer mm -hmm. and like i had mentioned they had pegged the killer as El Maravilla or the man killer of old ladies. Okay. They didn't even suspect a woman. Who would? Right. Now, Juana's modus operandi, or also known as MO, was to attack women over the age of 60 who lived alone near public gardens or parks who were enrolled in government assistance programs. 
Her victims were strangled or bludgeoned to death, and they were often robbed. Now, the killer's profile from the Mexican authorities was to be that of a possible middle-aged psychopath who was highly intelligent, clever, careful, organized, and was probably abused as a child. I mean, it's so interesting. Don't they have her pegged? Right? It's so interesting that they can profile these people so accurately. I'm very intrigued by profiling. They certainly know their stuff. I would think, too, if they leave a calling card of sorts. I mean, I guess they've been doing this a long time. However, there was that show on TV called The Profiler way back in the day. I loved watching that one. Strange. I was just seeing it's on our Netflix. You have to go see it. Is it good? Absolutely. So the profiles believed that whoever was going around killing these elderly ladies gained trust from their victims before attacking and also believed that they posed as a government worker who entered people's homes under the guise that they would apply for government welfare. So remember how I told you that she dressed up conservatively? Yes. Yeah, so she's dressing professionally and going to elderly women's homes, trying to convince them that they could sign up for welfare. Mm. By September of 2005, in I would say somewhere in the middle of the year, like mid-2005, Juana began a relationship with a taxi driver, and then the two of them began their crime spree together. So now that there were two accomplices, Beth, the elderly lady killer's M.O. changed from daytime to nighttime attacks. That will really mess with the profiling. Absolutely, because that's going to throw the police completely off the scent. Mm-hmm. The couple ended up robbing and killing the mother of a prominent criminologist, which caused the police to launch a special operation where they began patrolling the areas where the killer was known to attack. Good for them. So again, they're looking for a man. And so in that area, whether it was day or night, at least they got the police patrolling, eh? Yes. By November of 2005, eyewitnesses who helped to identify the elderly woman killer stated that the perpetrator was a large woman. One eyewitness stated that they saw a woman in a red blouse leaving one of the elderly women's houses who had found out later to be murdered. And keeping with their original beliefs, police felt that whomever was committing these crimes was a man dressed in women's clothing. What do you think of that? That's pretty odd. Yeah. What would they do in the area? They began investigating trans sex workers. Oh. However, they were very highly criticized for this because of their aggressive approach to the trans population. If you saw her picture, Beth, if you went and looked up her wrestling picture, she's not a petite little woman. I was picturing her to be petite. She is really not. She's actually pretty buff. She's athletic. I can see how police might think that might be. But again, they really, once they zoned in on the trans population, that's kind of where they kept their focus. Mm-hmm. Over 40 transvestites and sex workers were arrested. But get this, not one suspect fit the fingerprint profile or the composite of the killer. So they had fingerprints on file. Oh, that's good. That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, let me go ahead and tell you about her capture. 
on January 25th of 2006, Juana was eventually caught in the act while she was fleeing from one of her victims' homes where she had just strangled Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro with a stethoscope. There's the stethoscope. I guess she went back to her original, I don't want to use the word profile, but maybe that is the word. She went from being a nurse to being somebody in in suits, and now she's back to a nurse. Mm-hmm. So she's going back to her old ways. Well, Anna Maria had a roommate who had rented either an area in the back of the house or part of the apartment that she lived in. It was not entirely clear on the residence, but Anna Maria did have a roommate. He was just coming home when he almost stumbled over Anna Maria's body in the living room and saw someone fleeing from the apartment. So he saw someone running away from the scene, Beth. This roommate immediately ran after the perpetrator and happened to come across two policemen patrolling the area who quickly apprehended her. Fantastic. Yeah. So you remember I told you that the police were really starting to get that task force going? Yeah. That's why the police were patrolling. Wonderful. Now, they were able to apprehend her, like I said, very quickly. And during her interview, Juana admitted to the police that she had approached Anna Maria's home to ask for a glass of water. Ooh, it creeps me out when neighbors I don't know come up to me. Yeah. I'm not letting anybody in my house. That's for sure. Well, one night here in the apartment, I had some stranger knock on the door at probably 1, 2 a.m. And I looked through the peephole and it was a girl and I opened up the door and she was wanting to know if I wanted to buy any bagels. At one o'clock in the morning? Yes. Was she on crack? Why, it looked like it. So I called the superintendent and I says, you better hurry up and come up to this floor because she's going door to door and... Oh my gosh. Did they catch her? No, but I did recognize her in the laundry room just a couple of weeks ago. (gasps) So she is a tenant and she was cleaned up that time. So I guess when she's partying at night, she goes all psycho. Oh my God, Beth, you could have been stabbed. Well, mom told me not to open up the door to anyone again. So I'm not. Yeah, don't. You have a peephole. I do. And I don't have to answer, but it's hard not to. (laughs) It's hard. You should get a little dog to warn you. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. All right. Once Juana entered the apartment, she entered the living room. There she saw a stethoscope lying on the coffee table. She picked it up and that's what she used to strangle Anna Maria with. For goodness sakes. She was an elderly woman, so I'm sure she had to have her heart monitored a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So matter of convenience it's not that she was carrying it around with her but i mean i'm not gonna dispute what you said because she has been known to go into people's homes dressed like a nurse but this go around she just happened to have a stethoscope in the area to pick up and use as a weapon okay now police were stunned when they confronted juana because at age 48 she had two reasons that were a little bit surprising to the policemen do tell Number one, Juana was a woman. Mm. They've been looking for a man this whole time. Yes. They had been looking for a male serial killer for the past four years. 
But also, Beth, I had mentioned she had that wrestling career. So Juana was already quite famous. She was that female wrestler I told you about, whose name was La Dama del Silencio. Yes. And she preferred to wear a mask while she was wrestling to engage in those Titanic mock battles. Wearing a mask, she would be incognito, so nobody would be fresh with her face. You know what? I was thinking about that when I was doing my research, and I was not thinking about that today when I'm telling you this story. That is good, Beth. I'm a detective, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Amateur detectives. Yeah, all these crimes that were reading and talking about Mm -hmm. and i am not a psychiatrist all right looking back at police composite photos the police did admit that juana bore a striking resemblance to eyewitness accounts of what the perpetrator looked like including close cropped hair dyed blonde and an easily identifiable facial mole holy moly oh no pun intended good one beth (laughs) (laughs) Upon Juana's possessions when she was apprehended was a stethoscope, a social worker ID card, plus pension forms used to lure Juana's victims. Remember I said that she entered trying to get people to sign up for welfare. Yes, I'm glad that she had it in her possession. Yeah, absolutely. After Juana was arrested, police were able to link her through those fingerprints found at the scenes of at least 10 murders and up to possibly at least 40. Wonderful. Well, it's not so wonderful when you hear what she was charged with or what she was convicted for. When asked why she killed Anna Maria, Juana simply stated she got angry and Anna Maria made derogatory remarks. For goodness sakes. I think that goes back a little bit, Beth, for when she was growing up and her mother was beating her every day. She probably got a lot of verbal abuse as well. Yes. After Juana's arrest, she confessed that the reason behind her murdering elderly women was because she held a resentment toward her alcoholic mother and the abuse that she endured when she was a child. Gosh, like I just said. Well, that's kind of surprising to me. I figured she targeted elderly women simply because they were an easy target. It never dawned on me that she was thinking of her mother. Yep. She admitted to cruising public places to scout for those elderly women, Beth. Mm -hmm. And then she would gain their trust by helping them with the groceries or offering to clean their homes. Other times, Juana posed as a nurse or social worker and offered to come to her victims' homes to give free checkups or give information on government benefits. Once she gained access to her victims' homes, Juana would immediately attack. Other times, she would wait until they got distracted before she began to strangle them. If they were not distracted, Beth, she would beat them first. Oh, for goodness sakes. Juana eventually went to trial in early 2008. And during the proceedings, Juana tried to claim insanity and would only admit to one murder. The one that she was caught red-handed with, with Anna Maria. It's the only one that she ever fessed up to. Wow. Yeah. Juana stated that she was a scapegoat in all the other murders besides the one that she had admitted to. So she was not taking ownership for anything. No, it sounds like she's getting scared now. Yeah. 
a court-appointed psychiatrist, deemed Juana sane and fit to stand trial because she knew what she was doing when she committed her crimes. Yeah, she did. For sure. Juana is quoted as saying, When I saw them, I felt much anger and more when they acted uppity or believed that because of their money, they could humiliate me. So I'm assuming when she was talking with Anna Maria, when Anna Maria had said something derogatory and she got angry, so maybe she was feeling humiliated. Mm-hmm. Very true. Good point. On March 31st, Juana was convicted of 11 murders based on those fingerprints found at the scenes of the victims. Although she only fessed up to one, she was still convicted of 11. Great. She was tried for a total of 30 minutes before a sentence was passed down for her to serve 759 years in prison, which is the longest sentencing in all of Mexico's history. Wow. I was thinking that was a lot of years and I never heard of such a thing. Mm-hmm. I'd have to do the math and I'm not really good at that. So I'll do that a little bit later and I'll figure out, okay, if she was, you know, 11 murders, 759 years, how many years did she get per? Juana is eligible for parole, Beth, in 2058. She will be 100 years old. Wow. She will be the elderly lady then. Won't she? Mm-hmm. During the sentencing... Juana showed very little emotion, but later stated that she planned to appeal. That's a joke. Yeah, it is. The list of Juana's victims is pretty lengthy because Juana's reign lasted between 1995 and 2006. Like I'd mentioned, there are believed to be over 40 victims. So I'm going to go ahead and add the link into our show notes because I found a really good site. There are so many, Beth. I know I I feel like I have to say names of victims, but I'm going to go ahead and add that to our show notes. And there is an area, if you scroll down, there's going to be a box inside of there. You will be able to see all of the victims. One of the reasons that I'm not going to mention them all, Beth, is because I really do not know how to speak Spanish very well. I do not want to chop up their names. Well, that's nice of you to recognize the people. So thank you for putting that up. Sure, no problem. And on that note, this is what I found on Juana Barraza, the El Maravilla, or Old Lady Killer, or La Dama del Silencio, also known as a silent lady in her wrestling career. So what are your thoughts? Well, this is a very intriguing case, especially since it, it was a female it's uncommon. It was a very intriguing story. Yeah, I wanted to do something different. Yeah, and going into another country like Mexico like you did just gave us another little aspect of another part of the world. So thank you. Absolutely. And at this moment, I'm wondering if you have a teachable moment. Well, of course I do. I recently held a conversation with someone who said that they heard that you can tell one's character by how you treat people. Yes, I agree with that. Yes, me too. She gave me an example of talking to custodians, Beth. I don't know if you ever come across custodians where you work. Oh, yes. I love to chat with them. Oh, yeah. I also help them to empty the trash cans in my room and try to clean up as much as I can. I just say, if you work an honest living, I don't care what your job title is. In this conversation that I was having with this person, you should always treat everyone with the same level of respect. 
completely agree with that. Me too. Well, last year, this same person, Beth, happened to mention that you are bound to cross paths with at least one serial killer in your lifetime. Did you know that? What? She took a forensics class and learned that. I don't know if I told you, I actually did work with somebody who killed someone once. Did you really? I did. I'll have to tell you about that another day. But yeah, keep our listeners guessing too. Yeah, so I, I guess I agree with that to a certain extent. I don't. You don't agree with that? No. Tell me why. Because there are so many people in the world. How are you going to be the one that you're going to cross paths with? Apparently they didn't pick you out. Could have been that girl that you opened the door for to buy bagels at 1 a.m. <laughs> so, my point is... Be kind and kindness will always follow you back. Well, not always, but be kind and kindness will follow you back. Yes, very true. Besides that, you never know who that serial killer may be and you don't want to be put into a compromising position. No, you don't. You sure don't. So that's my teachable moment and that's all I got. Well, thank you, Deb. And that's a wrap. That is a wrap, and we want to thank you for listening to Dying to be Found. Before we go, we would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That really helps in the rankings. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dying, the number two, the letter be found. You can access our website, email, social media, and storyline request form by clicking on our Linktree account found in our show notes. If you like our episodes, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash dying to be found, spelled just like you see it on our logo. Feel free to message us on Instagram and let us know how we're doing. With that, be sure to check back every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.